Praise God. Please remain standing uh, for the reading of God's word. Our sermon scripture is found from various verses in Psalm 119 as we continue our series this morning. Please listen to these words. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. With my whole heart, I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your commandments, your law, your precepts, your statutes. Lord, we know that they point us back to you and your holiness and your justice and your amazing grace. And so, Lord, we hope in your words. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us now. And I pray that your spirit would <clears throat> work in Pastor Andrew's heart and mind, give him clarity of word and speech as he teaches us. And likewise, Lord, I pray that your spirit would impact our hearts and give us that ability to truly hear and absorb your truth this morning, that we would go away with a greater sense of faith and obedience to you. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. Looking forward to diving into Psalm 119. We've been talking about how the word uh, is sweeter than honey, and uh, we sort of started with this big picture. We've looked how uh, we meet God, uh, the God of the word in the word of God. It's not just that these are sort of disembodied principles or um, you know, commandments, these things that come to us, but, but these are the very heart of God. Uh, that he is sharing with us. So when we get to Old Testament case law, when we read throughout the entirety of the word, we have to remember that we are meeting God. More recently, we've been looking at how Psalm 119 applies some of these. So, okay, what is it uh, that we see? What is it that we experience as we meet God? We experience comfort in affliction. Uh, we, we saw that last week. Um, next week, we are going to be doing something that escapes me right now. Uh, but, uh, but this week, we are going to focus uh, on, on the idea of purity. Look at uh, verse 9 of this passage. It's a pretty famous verse. Uh, How can a young man keep his way pure uh, except by guarding it according to your word? 
And, and I want to dive into that. I don't know what sort of things come to your mind when you hear that passage. You, you maybe immediately think about sexuality and some of the things tied up with that. We're going to touch on that this morning. Uh, but uh, this idea of purity is, is big and it's throughout the Word of God. We've been singing about it a little bit this morning. It really has a lot of connection with Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost, as we think about the burning tongues of fire and how they connected with uh, God meeting his people back at Mount Sinai and was telling them how to live before a holy God. We'll come back to a lot of that. Some of this was uh, tied up just this past week, I think, if you read our Friday letter. Uh, you know that myself, Pastor Addison, Jim, David DeYoung, uh, we traveled down to Peoria, Illinois, and met with the folks at Grace Prez there uh, as we are in the very final stages of officially taking over the chapter of Campus Outreach West Michigan. And uh, just very exciting, uh, you know, just hear their folks talk about how this has been probably the best thing that they've done for their church in, in 50 years. Uh, just the way that it has continued to push the gospel out onto college campuses, the way that it's transforming lives, the way that they see even now they have uh, young elders that are coming through who have been campus outreach grads, all of that. We met with a number of different folks. One of the most sort of impactful for me personally was actually meeting with some of their grads, people who have been out of college now for 10 five years. Uh, the ministry's been there for, uh, I think, 15 years, something like that. Um, and uh, just hearing how the, their experience with the gospel in college changed their lives, gave them a new vision for what kind of jobs they would take, where they would settle, how they would commit to continue living out the gospel community uh, intentionally once they got out of college. Uh, and, and they would share their testimonies from this. And one uh, young man, younger than me, <laughs> yeah, so he's young, uh, <laughs> one young man talked about how his, his own experience in college was one where he had grown up in church a little bit, like they were sort of uh, cultural Christians, and he said, I, I was watching these CO folks, and they were coming on, and they were talking to folks, they're challenging them, and, and I came to a point where I realized I needed to stop pretending. He said, either there is a God who made this world and everything in it, and my life needs to reflect the reality of that, or I have to drop the name Christian and, and stop pretending. And, and this is, it was struck with that, you know, just connection with purity. You know, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young woman keep her way pure? How can older men and older women, you know, how do, what does it mean to live uh, as the scriptures call us to? What does it mean uh, to, to really press into this and, and to experience the purity that God desires for us to experience. And I want to sort of dive into that this morning and seek to understand it. So we have uh, just a question to start with. What is purity when the Bible talks about? Then secondly, look at two case studies. And then finally, we want to look at how Christ is our only hope. So purity, what, what is it? 
Uh, it's tied up, obviously, with this idea of holiness, righteousness, themes that have been coming throughout um, Throughout Psalm 119, you look at the Hebrew definition of the word that is used here for purity. Uh, it has to do with, with being pure, spotless in a moral sense. Uh, it can also have to do with being set apart. Uh, so you get the concept of, of what purity is. It can be applied in all sorts of different ways. I mean, one of the first things that comes to our mind is sexually. We'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, but it can be applied in terms of our speech. It can be applied in terms of, uh, you know, the way that we approach God, all of these different things. If you look in the Old Testament, uh, you see all sorts of, of laws and all sorts of uh, rituals that had to do with purity. Part of that was you have to remember who Israel was. Israel was, when we meet them at Mount Sinai, Exodus 20, and incidentally, we're going to go back to that and sort of finish out Exodus uh, this summer. So when we meet Israel there, and a couple summers ago, we, we looked at this, they are an ex-slave nation who had been worshiping other gods in Egypt, and, and now they have been mightily delivered from the world's superpower uh, in just these tremendous overarching ways and he is now thundering at them from Mount Sinai, you know, their question is, how do we live safely uh, in the presence of this God? You know, the idea of not a tame lion uh, comes into our minds there as, as, we, as we meet God. And so when, when God starts to lay out uh, what it means to live before him, he deals with concepts like purity. They had ritual cleansings for the priests, and they go all through this in, in great detail. And, and we see in like Leviticus 10 and 11, when the priests don't follow that, when they bring unholy fire before the Lord, fire goes out uh, from the, the inner circle and, and consumes Nadab and Abihu, these priests. And, and so there, there's all sorts of uh, laws with regards to cleanliness, holiness, purity, these types of things. Purity on the whole has to do with um, this, uh, this idea where you move from life to death. I'm appreciative, uh, sort of the group that I study with, one person really highlighted this. Uh, you read some uh, various commentators and you see how uh, if you think about what you maybe know about impurity in the Old Testament, we even see vestiges of it in the New Testament. Like if you touch a dead body, uh, you become impure, unclean. Uh, if you are dealing with uh, bodily discharge, uh, either of the male or the female variety, you, you become unclean. Uh, there, uh, if you are leprous, uh, you become unclean. Uh, these are the things that sort of touch at our purity, and they're all movements from life to death. You know, whether it's the life fluids or the actual coming into contact with, with death, the, these are all the things that mark us as being impure. Uh, 
Jesus, uh, of course, deals with this, and we're going to talk about that, and you see how he reverses this in so much of his ministry uh, as he's bringing people from death to life. Uh, we'll come back to that in a little bit later. But Jesus also helps us understand, particularly in his Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, that, that purity and purity issues are not only the things that are outside in, but they ultimately emanate from the heart. Uh, and, and so he, he takes the, the various areas that the Old Testament law points to. And this is the thing about Old Testament law. It is taking a principle and highlighting it in a, uh, in a present, lived-out application. But it's always a principle that points to the heart, and that's what Jesus helps us to understand. You know, remembering he, he's saying in those, those Beatitudes, what starts the Sermon on the Mount, that we hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then he begins to say, listen, it's not only the things that you do outside, like your anger, your sexuality, looking, uh, but if you have it in your heart, if you think angry thoughts in your heart, if you curse someone in your heart, if you lust, if you have impure thoughts in your heart, these things also mark you as impure and need to be reckoned with. And one of the things that we see both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is that in the impurity is, is, is sort of marked by this cutting off. Uh, you saw examples of that. You know, you had to separate yourself from a community for a time uh, while you were cleansed. If you were leprous, you, you were sort of separated. You had to call out unclean, unclean. We meet some of these folks even into the New Testament. Another way to talk about this cutting off uh, is one of the things that we see in Psalm 119 all throughout is this idea of shame. When you look at what shame is, uh, shame is the sense of being cut off, either from our true self or from healthy relationships. I mean, think about this, you know, just from a purity standpoint. If you, if you lie to someone, if you lie to your parents, if you lie to your spouse or your employer or your neighbor or whoever, uh, there's, there's a barrier. It may be subtle. It, it may be... Um, it may be something that you don't even realize at first, but there's, there's a barrier that comes between you and that person. You're, you're cut off uh, relationally. There's a, an inhibition of, of vulnerability. It can't, it can't happen because that shame cuts us off. A and so this is you know, what purity calls for and then also some of the results of, of when we fail to meet that standard. So I, I hope that's helpful. I mean, we could talk about that a lot more. There's some really interesting Old Testament studies on this uh, that I won't go into in great detail. But, but this is the overarching concept of purity. So let me just give you two case studies and see if we can practically understand it a little bit more. I'll just start with sexuality because oftentimes when we talk about purity, this is where our minds go. There was a whole movement back several years ago, uh, you know, it's kind of called the purity culture. Uh, it actually has kind of become sort of a 
uh, I, I don't know, they had some falls with some of the people within it. Uh, it was maybe a little bit uh, legalistic in the way that they were talking about certain things with regards to that. So for some of you listening today, the idea of purity culture may have sort of bad vibes or, or bad connotations. Uh, I think at heart what they were looking for was something good with regards to our, our sexuality. Uh, but we recognize that this is something that the Bible talks about. So, you know, verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? This is very similar to some of the language that we see in other wisdom literature like Proverbs 6. Uh, Proverbs 6, my son, keep your father's commandment, forsake not your mother's teaching. I'm in verse 20. Uh, when you bind them on your heart, always tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. Uh, for the commandment is a lamp, teaching is a light. The reproofs of discipline uh, are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals uh, and his feet not be scorched? And, and it goes on talking about these warnings. Now, several things I want to highlight for you as, as we come to this. You know, one, I, I know for Proverbs, uh, for sure, this was a book that was somewhat of a, maybe akin to a Boy Scout manual uh, written for young men. So that is why the address to young man, I, it's not that men only struggle with this, or that women don't, uh, and it's uh, why the, the warnings are uh, against the adulterous women. It's also not to say that all women are adulterous and that there aren't men that are adulterous, all of that. So we have to read that in its context and understand what it's talking about with regards to these things. Uh, but we also see there that it, it is given, giving warnings in this. It's saying there is a right way and a wrong way to walk. This is the kind of language that we've seen throughout Psalm 119. And this is because, look at uh, verse 73. Did we print that today? We did. Your hands have fashioned and made me. Give me understanding that, I've, that I may learn your commandments. When, when we... When we come to our sexuality, this is the starting place. We have to understand that God is the one, he's the designer, he's the one who made us, he's the one who thought the whole thing up. Uh, he is the one that, that put the, the right ways and the wrong ways to use it. He's given us the warnings, like if you try to use this computer underwater, it's not going to work. Uh, he, he helps us understand uh, the, the ways that our bodies were formed and the ways that our bodies work. Uh, so he sets its boundaries, it sets its path, and he tells us, like we see in verse 45, that when we keep the law, we walk in a wide place. Uh, or in, in verse 117, hold me up that I may be safe. You know, what, what the psalmist is telling us and what the scriptures are telling us, it's that when we, when we approach these issues of purity in the way that God has laid them out for us, that's where we're going to find joy. 
that's where we're going to find shalom. That's where we are going to find the freedom that we so desire. It's not in going apart from the way. You know, this is where so much of our culture gets it mixed up. Think about freedom in terms of doing what we want. You know, no inhibitions. The Bible talks about freedom very differently. It says you are truly free when you are operating according to the user manual. Uh, you, are, you are truly free when you are operating within the confines of the way a thing has been created. I love basketball. Uh, but basketball isn't basketball if you don't play according to the rules. I mean, if you just punch people, if you just go into the stands with the ball, it, it's no longer the game. I thought about having Susan, you know, play a beautiful piece of music and, and then just, you know, after eight, nine, ten bars, start putting in discordant notes. Uh, and, and we would all feel that. Why? Well, she's not following the music. You know, she's not. The beauty is when we, we play a thing the way that it was meant to be played. Uh, and the same thing is true with regards to this. So what, what do we say about uh, our sexuality then, and what does it look like in terms of purity? This is what Proverbs and, and Psalm, they're, they're pointing us to this. I think we can say a number of things. I think we can say, uh, firmly, sexuality is one of the God's greatest gifts to us. And young people, I, I want you to hear me say that. Uh, it, it's not something that we avoid. It's not dirty. It's, uh, it, it's one of God's greatest gifts to us that, that we have uh, as we use it in the right way. There are just uh, marvelous chapters. If you read Proverbs chapter 5, talking about our sexuality, how it's expressed, we have a whole book, Song of Solomon, that, uh, that talks about our sexuality as a picture for our love for God. So it, it's a very positive thing as we use it uh, in the way that God made us to be. It's given expression in the gender that we are born with. Uh, you know, if you go back to Genesis 1, you see a lot of emphasis that's put on the physicality, male and female. He created them. That mattered to God. Uh, that was something that was really important. It's not something to just be thrown away or, or moved over. And then it's to be enjoyed within the marriage context between a man and a woman. Uh, these are the, the, the picture. This is the framework that God says, you want to be pure in this area. Here are the boundaries. You know, we have this wonderful gift uh, to be given expression in the gender you're born with, uh, to be enjoyed between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Uh, and, and God says, be free. Be free, enjoy that, you know, live it out, experience that. But understand that if we go in other ways, uh, if we walk apart from that, then we're, we're going to experience impurity. We're going to experience shame. We're going to understand what it means to be cut off. And I would, I would bet that, that studies back me up. I've seen some of these, you know, you talk about people who are most happy sexually and otherwise. It's people that are within these boundaries. It, it's not those who pursue 
uh, not those who pursue uh, relationship after relationship. It's not those who are tied into pornography. Uh, these are things that cut us off, that take away our shame. Uh, God says, walk before me and you'll be safe. <laughs> you'll, you'll have joy. You will, you will enjoy this wide, wide place. Now, you know, I, you know verse 11 is, is a very famous verse, your, your word have I hid in my heart uh, that I might not sin against you. We, we saw that same thing in, in Proverbs chapter 6. Like so much of this is tied up with knowing God's word. We live in a culture that is on a 24-7 news cycle. It is getting you messages that are not what I just gave you. Uh, they are saying a lot of different things about our sexuality and if you are not, I'm speaking to everybody here, if you're not hiding God's word in your heart, if you're not meditating on it, as we talked about a few weeks ago, if you, are, if you're not, if you don't know what God says from beginning to end, incidentally, you know, the things that he says about sexuality, they're not like just culturally bound in a first century and we have now moved past them because we've become more culturally mature. These go from all the way from creation and extend through the scriptures. Uh, but if we don't know that, if we're not hiding that word in our heart, when, then we're going to struggle uh, when it comes to these areas. Let me move on from there because I don't want you to think this is the only area that we're talking about when we talk about purity. Uh, and as we were studying together with this, uh, collectively we said, no, the, there are so many areas. I mean, we could walk right down the Ten Commandments, you know, in terms of honoring authority. What does purity look like with that? Again, you've got to know God's word. Uh, but let's talk about speech for a minute. Uh, so sexuality and speech, because there are so many passages in the scriptures that speak pretty clearly about this, pretty clearly about this, even with regards to the connection that it has with our hearts, as Jesus says. So these are Jesus's words in Matthew 12. He says, either make the tree good and its fruits good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Uh, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, this is Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 25, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity uh, to the devil. Let no corrupting talk or impure talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you, along from all malice, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as uh, God in Christ forgave you. you know, when we talk about purity, sometimes it's easy for Christians 
uh, it's really not easy <laughs> to look at something like sexuality and say, yes, I, I'm married to a woman. You know, I don't have problems in this area. I mean, we all have problems in this area. Uh, but when it comes to our speech, I, I think we, we, we all just come so close to home. I mean, you listen to those passages, you know, careless words, slander, malice, corrupting talk. Only what is good for building up as fits the occasion. Uh, I would like to know the person who said, I have kept that person perfectly. You know, I <laughs> only what is good for building up. I mean, we have just come through such a period where the church has, has shown just how desperately we need Jesus. Uh, as we have seen the things that people are posting on Facebook and other social media, corrupting talk, vile talk, lack of love, all of these different things. Have we have harbored them in our hearts. So again, Jesus says, you know, if you've looked lustfully on a woman, uh, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. He says, if, if you are harboring anger towards your brother in your heart, uh, you know, you have killed them. A and what we see here as Jesus comes to us and helps us understand is just how impure we are. You know, how much we are longing for, lacking uh, the, the kind of thing that would help us to, to live safely in front of this holy God. I mean, we, we have the same sort of crisis that the Israelites had at, at Sinai. Like, how do we live safely? We, we know you are not a tame lion. We know you are not a safe God in that sense. How do we live safely? So whether it's sexuality or speech, whether it's the covetousness of your heart, uh, you know, you can just go right down uh, the table of the law and we can recognize that we desperately, desperately need somebody to come and to reverse that cut offness that we have. We, we need somebody. I mean, we, we are like the lepers saying unclean, unclean. We need somebody to come and to touch us because really there's only a couple of uh, options. We can A, ignore it. And, and, you know, let's face it, a, a lot of us maybe, I, d I don't know all of you, are, are ignoring these things. We're, we're saying th these things don't matter to God, how we live out our sexuality uh, or, or how we are, are pro uh, um, uh, working out our, our speech. We, we just ignore it. We, we certainly know that those who fo don't follow Jesus, I mean, this is the attitude that they take. And this is what, you know, this young man was saying, like, if God is who he is, I, I need to reckon with that. And I need to either do something about it or I need to stop pretending, you know. And so many people have just stopped pretending that, that God actually sets the framework for us, a gracious framework. So that's one option. We can just ignore it. The second option is we can try it on our own. You know, we can do more, try harder. We can say, okay, I am going to check all the boxes. I am going to, uh, <laughs> you know, s not sin sexually. I'm going to walk around with my eyes closed. I'm going to, you know, we, we do this thing. I took a, a course called Sonship, and, and they give us the tongue assignment uh, for a week. 
And, and so for that week, you can't boast, you can't swear, you can't do any corrupting talk. You can only uh, build people up, you know, according to this. And uh, one of the instructors says he has one guy that came back. And, uh, you know, after the week, everybody was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even make it an hour. I didn't make it, you know, a day, any of this. And, and one guy says uh, he made it. And they're like, wow, that's really good. Like, how did you do that? I did not speak for a week. <laughs> but, of course, you know, that doesn't get at the heart, you know, because you, you can close your eyes, you can close your mouth, but our heart, our thoughts, they're, they're still they're still going. So we can't do it on our own. And that's why we are so grateful for Christ who has done it for us. I already alluded to the fact that, you know, we see his ministry was about reversing this curse. You know, as he was touching people, bringing the dead to life, making the unclean clean. As he went about, you know, uh, inviting people uh, like the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery in John 8, he's inviting them into a new statement of life. He's saying that he sees them in the way that the culture who has cut them off does not. We see that Jesus was about this. And where we see it most clearly is not in his life, but in his death. Because in his death, we meet the one who uh, was pure and clean, but became the ultimate impurity and uncleanness as he hung on the cross. I mean, you, you know the language of Isaiah 53. Um, he was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. He bore our shame at the deepest possible level. You know, when, when the Romans crucified people, uh, they were hung naked on the cross. They were exposed and vulnerable, you know, oftentimes in our pictures of Jesus on the cross, you see him with a loincloth. That, that wasn't the case. He has borne our shame to the ultimate depths in order that we might have life. This is our hope. You know, when we come to this, it's, it's, you're not ever going to do it on your own. And so the invitation is to surrender to the one who, who knew impurity because he took it on himself. Not that he was guilty of any of it in himself. And he bore our shame. He carried our sorrow. He was crushed for our iniquities. Listen to how Paul puts it. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When Pentecost comes and those tongues of fire land on everybody's head, you, you see, you know, the sound of mighty rushing wind. It was a repeat for Israel of their being at Mount Sinai with the fire and the wind and all of that. But here's the promise of the gospel. We've been purified from the inside out. We've been purified by the inside out. The, the fire of the Holy Spirit 
now burns within all of those who have surrendered their lives to Christ so that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he doesn't see our sorrow, but he sees his finished work that has taken, you know, in the words of John Newton, a wretch like me and has made us something beautiful, something to be delighted in. Two last things, and, you know, this is, when we come to a, a, a message like this, I'm always aware that we have a mixed congregation, uh, and, and our hearts sort of are prone one way or the other. I've often said, like, Satan is a judo master. You know, judo is the martial arts that takes your own sort of momentum and uses it against you. Uh, Satan knows exactly how to do that. Uh, some of you are prone to shame. Uh, you, you have a hard time reckoning with the fact that God could love you. You are so sensitive to your own brokenness. You're so sensitive to your own sin. And, and, and you are crushed, like Luther, you know, by the weight of the law. You, you see it, and, and it crushes you. And you ha- just have a hard time grasping uh, the fact that there is true, free forgiveness uh, in the gospel. Others of you um, have, have heard the message of grace, and, and that is the song that sings in your heart, grace, 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 so much so uh, that you've been desensitized maybe to the ways that we uh, infringe upon the way God has created us. And and you're not maybe as careful as you should be. When you go back and you read some of the things uh, in Colossians and Ephesians, uh, Paul is talking about you've been forgiven, you've been washed and sanctified, therefore no longer do these things. This was the attitude that, that Paul was addressing in Romans 6. You know, shall we go on sinning that grace may no more abound? And what does he say? By no means, meganointo, heck no, he says. Uh, we, we cannot do that. We are called to purity. Uh, and so here, here's my challenge for you. Whichever way your heart goes, like if you are a person that, that struggles with shame, you need to go the other way and you need to hear grace. You need to understand that surrendered to Christ you are the beloved. You are delighted in. When Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus. He sees the finished work. He sees the darling of heaven. You are the apple of his eye. And you need to believe that. And you need to rest there. And you need to allow the Holy Spirit, you know, his purifying work to help you believe that. On the other hand, you know, if you are saying, well, you know, my freedom, my way, you know, grace will cover it. You, you need to go and deal with maybe some healthy shame. You know, shame certainly has an unhealthy side, but, but there is a, 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 a guilt that leads to repentance, Paul talks about. A- and we need to really wrestle with that before. So whichever way you're prone to go, uh, you know, go the opposite. You know, work on that and, and go the opposite. Listen, I, I know these were big topics, and, and I love to talk to any of you more about that as we go today. But we have a bigger God. 
And, and I love this young man that we heard. He said, you know, if God is real, then I need to live my life according to his standards. And that was a man who is filled with joy today. That is a man who has purpose in his life. That is a man who is experiencing the blessing of God. I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about a life that is free from affliction. But I'm talking about the blessing that comes from walking with his God. May it be so for all of us. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the way that it comes to us. It does challenge us. But the way that it also points us uh, to our true hope. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray uh, more and more, day by day, that this would be our song. In Jesus' name, amen.